Sissy, I have a question for you. Queso or guac? Well, I'm used to us asking that question, but not answering it. But I think I would choose queso. How would you feel about queso being central to your dinner tonight? Oh, I love that plan. Thanks to one of our sponsors, that can be your reality. Factor is helping me make red pepper queso chicken tonight. That sounds amazing. I love Factor. I just made a green chili pork and pico de gallo bowl. Did it bowl you over? (laughs) It did. (laughs) With Factor, you'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule? Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash rbg50 and use code rbg50 to get 50% off. That's code rbg50 at factormeals.com slash rbg50 to get 50% off. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. You all, we are so excited about this conversation. And I don't, I mean, I think we've been plotting it for two years. At least. (laughs) Not quite that long. (laughs) Seriously. Yes. Wanting to have you all on for so long. We're so grateful for your time with us and just who you both are in our lives. And obviously, Marcus, we're a huge fan. We've gotten to work together for how many years at this point? I've lost count. I know. <laughs> three? It's the third maybe? season I've been doing with you guys. Okay. So at least three years. And the only reason any season exists is because of Marcus. <laughs> Left to the two of us, there'd be no recording. Yes. Is no, that not the no. truth? Yes. Every, all of the people who are listening right now, every episode you have heard that sounds amazing and beautifully done and perfect is because of Marcus. So yes, it is. We are so grateful. So if it doesn't sound amazing and perfect, I didn't edit it. There it is. <laughs> there you go. Not responsible. Yes. 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 And Jen, you have helped me so much on social media. We have loved your work from afar for quite some time. I watch you and your tidbits. Will you tell them your Instagram handle? It's at Mixedus Media. 
M-I-X-T-U-S media. Yes. You are brilliant about social media, and we are grateful for anyone who's an expert in that space because we're not. We're just fumbling our way through (laughs) all the time. And we would love to hear y'all each talk about kind of your journey of how you found yourself doing what you're both doing today and where you are doing it these days. Well, I really got my start in the music industry. I was a publicist at two different record labels. And then Marcus and I met in 2005. We met in January and we were married in November. Wow. And yeah, it was it was pretty quick. But I left the record label and started the first variation of my company in 2005. And about when Isaac was born in 2009, we decided to focus completely on authors working with, you know, like marketing and stuff like that. I'd always wanted to work with authors. It had been a dream. And really in 2005 is when social media had really started to make a change. So authors started coming to me and asking if I could help them with their stuff. And it's been great like that ever since. So it's been quite a journey. You know, that's where we first heard about you was our friend Jeannie, who you had worked with. Yes. I think she was staying at my house. She was in town and visiting and talked about how amazing you had been and helpful with her way before we met Marcus. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Jeannie. And I've been able just to work with some really amazing authors. So I'm very happy to be doing what I get to do. Mm. Well, thank you. You are such a gift. Thank you. And I started out in the music industry as well. Used to tour with bands and then got into podcasting and stuff. And our friend Jess, who is the producer of the show, I went to college with her and she invited me to work with her on this podcast with you guys. So I'm really grateful to Jess. Shout out to Jess for (laughs) introducing me to you guys. And I worked with Jess at EMI. That's right. Yes. So we both had... Small world. Yes. That's so fun. (laughs) And you made mention of your awesome guy. Will you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, Isaac is, uh, what is he, 14? 14. (laughs) (laughs) Typical dad brain. Um, And he is on the autism spectrum, which is why you guys have invited us to be on the show with you. And then we also have Tina, who is two. She's a furry furry child. child. (laughs) She's our dog. She really is like a toddler. (laughs) And one of Isaac's best friends. Yes, yes. Love that. That's awesome. And where y'all are, will you talk about your recent move? Yeah, so we're doing this interview remotely because we moved to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We moved here about two months ago from Nashville, and my whole side of the family really lives in Iowa, and they just have such a great relationship with Isaac, and you know we have a great relationship with them, so being able to be closer to family and being able to see them more often has just been huge, so mm. we really love it up here. Has the snow melted yet? It has. it has. Oh, wow. I think we're supposed to so get more spring. of this next week. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> kind of, but it's 39 degrees right now. No, so I mean, y'all. Wow. wow. <laughs> I'm Norwegian, so I mean, it's like, you got it. on. Yeah. It's covered. That's so good. Well, we would love to hear y'all talk about something important you've learned about raising neurodivergent kids and something specifically. What's something you wish someone had said to you early in the journey? When Isaac was first born. Marcus had kind of noticed some things that were just a little off, I guess, just with his delay in speaking, his kind of not really wanting to play with other kids. He was very removed. It's funny because it didn't even dawn on me because it's so much like my family. Like (laughs) I have so many family members who they're picky eaters and they Mm. don't like the touch of things. And I'm just like, oh, he's 
my family. Like <laughs> this is this is normal. But as we started to notice some differences, I remember just feeling a fear because mm-hmm. I did not know anything about I only knew about extreme cases of autism and I was not aware that there was this spectrum that mm-hmm. it was so huge and that it's not this death sentence of sorts. It's not that he's not going to have a life or anything like that. The day that we got the diagnosis, looking back at the people that we were, just this fear of like, how will he be able to function? How will he be able to just get by in life? And I wish someone would have told us he is exactly as he is supposed to be. Mm. He is perfect just the way he is. And there is not a single ounce of him that I would change. Mm. And the only thing I would change is how people perceive him or how people treat him. Mm. Because he has so much to teach us and to teach others about so many things in life. And we can, you know, talk more about that. But I just wish that someone would have told us that talking about it and not hiding it, to not be fearful Mm. of this quote unquote diagnosis Mm. and that he is going to be just fine. Mm. And we were going to be just fine too. Yes. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm. Sissy. How is Lucy liking her Sunday's dog food? She is loving it, and I am too, because Sunday's isn't filled with all that junk that is in many other dog foods out there. I'm so happy we found Sunday's. Me too. Owen loves his Sunday's dog food. Sunday's contains 90% meat, 10% vegetables, and 0% synthetic nutrients. Besides USDA beef and all-natural chicken, it also has digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. Sundays is so easy to store and serve, plus it costs 40% less than other healthy dog food brands. With Sundays, every order ships right to your door, so you'll never worry about running out of dog food again. You do not want to see what happens around our house when we run out of dog food for Owen. <laughs> you know we love dogs around here, maybe even more than we love tacos. Try Sundays with us and give your pup delicious and nutritious food. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash RBG or use code RBG at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash RBG. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. We'd love to ask you a two-part question. So we talk a lot about studying development and temperament on this podcast, and the developmental pace is going to look different for each kid, unique to their hardwiring. What is one area of your son's growth where you've learned to trust development? And second question would be, as you've studied temperament, what is a unique strength you've observed in him? I really loved the interview that you guys did with Janae Williams and her husband Mm -hmm. and just echo everything that she said. And for listeners who haven't heard that, go back and listen. We'll put links to it in the episode notes. I will will. put links to it in the episode. (laughs) We don't know how to do episode notes. We don't know what they are, but we know somebody who does. But she's definitely more of an expert. While I'm not an expert in neurodiversity or neurology in general, 
I am trying my best to become an expert in Isaac. Mm, and so yes. studying his temperament, like you said, like learning what his default reactions are and why. And I'm learning like what Chen Wei said is that it's not that he's broken, that there's something wrong with his brain. It's just that there's different neuropathway connections than what neurotypical people have. There's a lot of the terminology too that I get hung up on. Typical versus atypical disorder, an autism spectrum disorder, it denotes that there is this normalcy, that there's this expected behavior that we're all supposed to have culturally and biologically. And I feel like the more we're learning about the human species, the more we're figuring out that there is no normal, yes. like we're all different. <laughs> right. And so it's keeping that in mind that just because I have these expectations when I interact with anybody, especially those closest to me, their brain is probably not processing things or cueing off of the same things that I typically cue off of. Mm. And that happens with us neurotypicals too. Mm. And with Isaac, it's just on a different level. And he tends to get buried from a sensory perspective from that overload of his sight, auditory, taste, smell, like his senses are all on 11 all the time. Mm. And so that can be really distracting. And so just understanding that, that in any situation, especially when he has a meltdown, that there's probably a sequence of things that happened that he was having trouble processing that led to the meltdown when I asked him to do something. But it's also interesting how he answers things. Because like the other day they were at Costco and Marcus said, Isaac, are you almost out of vitamins? And he said, no. And when we get home, we see that he has three vitamins left. Right. And it's like, no. No, there were three. To him, he was like, no, I still have some. Yeah. You know, I'm not almost out. And so it's really observing. And I think that this would be with any neurotypical child as well, learning how they communicate and Isaac's journey in just learning how to communicate has taken a little longer. He's 14, but we're just starting to see him like talk about things and notice things and just realizing, you know, like as he's learning how to communicate better, just the things that are going on in that beautiful brain of his. Mm. And like when we realized like very early on that he could read when he was at three years old because he had memorized the route that we took in Nashville from our house to the church that we were attending. He was reading all of the signs. He has this incredible memory. He'll come up and say, Mama, do you remember what happened on July 14th, 2021 at 5.02 p.m.? I'm like, no, pal, what what happened? (laughs) (laughs) He remembers these things. And so it's not looking at it as a deficiency, like you were saying. It's looking at, wow, There are so many incredible things that he is so, so good at. Some things that he is struggling with, Mm. just like with any kid. And his might be amplified a little bit more. His might be, you know, a little more visible than others, but he's growing and it's incredible to see. Like Mm. we celebrate those big communication things or those socialization things. Yes. Y'all, I mean, your awareness of and intentionality with him is so evident. It is beautiful to hear you talk about him. Sissy, how has Henry been enjoying his high of vitamins? He thinks they are so fun. 
Wait, a child thinks vitamins are fun? I know. That's why I'm so excited about Hyatt Kids Vitamins. Most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar, but Hyatt is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk. Hyatt was formulated with the help of nutritional experts to include a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and 15 essential vitamins and minerals. All of this essential for supporting immunity, energy, brain function, mood, and concentration. All the things we spend our time working to improve. I love that a little chewable vitamin could help support all these areas of development for kids. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To grab this deal, go to HayaHealth.com RBG. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash R-B-G and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. What would y'all say you've learned about yourselves, each of you in the process? Oh, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. I've learned a lot about myself because I can see so much of Isaac's struggles in me, like, mm. even though it's on a different level with him from a sensory perspective, a lot of the kind of obsessive tendencies that he has, I also struggle with. And mm. the other issue that I've heard you guys talk about, too, is how boys tend to just not want to do stuff if mm. they can't be a winner or, mm. you know, he won't let me play Mario Kart with him because I beat him like he mm. wants to, to get first place. And so it's the same kind of thing with me. Like, if I know that it's going to be something that I'm going to struggle to do properly because I'm such a perfectionist. I'll either put it off or I just will avoid it completely. And I can recognize in him and then say, okay, I need to model this better for him myself to let him see a good example of that. Yeah. And he's just taught me to look at life from a bit different perspective and to look and be empathetic towards things that normally used to like irritate me. Like I have been in the grocery store many times where there's a mother with two children and one is having a complete meltdown. And there's sometimes, you know, like you think, okay, maybe they're on the spectrum. Maybe they're just completely overstimulated. I have gone up and like put my hand on their cart and say, do you need me to watch your cart? Mm. Or do you need me to do, you know, like it just makes you so much more empathetic that you need to put yourself in someone's position Mm. and have empathy towards them. And growing up with him has really taught me that. Mm. That's beautiful. Jen, Marcus may have told you this. We spend a lot of time when we're having lunch together on recording days talking about the Enneagram, which we love. And Mm -hmm. of the many reasons I love it, I think probably my favorite is that reality that there's nine ways of seeing the world, Mm -hmm. nine ways of interacting with the world. And that means there's not one right way and eight wrong ways. There's nine different ways. And I think Mm -hmm. it feels so in keeping with so much of what you're both saying. And if we're operating from that perspective, Everything you just said is so true. It's like we have more empathy for people. It's like, I don't know what's going on inside of you. I don't fully understand how you see the world, how you're interacting with the world, where you might be overstimulated. So I love that. Thank you for that beautiful reminder and even the way you told that story. And just would love to ask you both to, if much of parenting is learning to choose our battles, and it is, 
What are some of the battles you are choosing these days and what are some you have discovered are important to let go of? The biggest battle right now is his diet mm. and him getting nutrition. A common characteristic of people on the autism spectrum is that they are super, super picky with what they eat. And he has a very limited selection of things that he will eat every day. It's the same thing at the same times not necessarily the healthiest foods. <laughs> and we try to, to get him to try new things, especially when grandma's around. She has a... He does anything for grandma. Yeah. Like, wow. Has, she's a good one to have in our pocket. Yes. For yes. <laughs> Which is so true but, about other voices, having other voices. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yes. important. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing that I hear with parents in general. It's like yeah. they won't listen to their parents right. as much as they'll listen to friends or extended family. But my tendency early on was just force feeding him essentially mm -hmm. and saying, no, you're going to do this. You're going to sit here until you eat that. And that was especially early on when I didn't know as much about what was going on from a sensory perspective for him because there's so much of the food's texture and smell and taste, which is associated with the smell, that is overwhelming for him with certain things that is not overwhelming for neurotypical people. So I have to be accepting of that, that even though I think that this food is delicious, he obviously doesn't, and he makes <laughs> these faces. <laughs> but I'll start doing the scaffolding technique, which I've heard from other experts like you, of asking him to smell it first. So, you know, tackling one sense at a time as, you know, he smells and then looks and then touches, and then I'll ask him to take a little bite, and he'll just take the tiniest little nibble with the edge of his teeth and then make a face as, he eat, as he's eating. And sometimes he'll say, you know, I'll ask him, is that good? Do we want to try that again? And he'll say, yeah, but mm. most of the time it's no. <laughs> but he has with age, yes. he has gotten a lot better. Yes. And I think that that's something to just letting them grow at their own pace, still asking them to try things. And another thing that we learned, he did not want to sit at the table mm -hmm. to eat. Mm. And that was a big battle <laughs> for a long time, especially, you know, in the early stages of this. And we asked ourselves, is it more important for him to sit here or for him to actually eat? And obviously, it's more important for him to eat. Yes. So as he would run around, we'd hand him something and he ate. It's like, okay, that's how we're going to have to do this. Mm. And it's not trying to fit him into a specific, like, you have to do our these own things. expectations. Like, yeah. Right. Obviously, there are some things he needs to do, like showering. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he's good at that. So. Yes. But, you know, like within picking your battles, it's like, okay, it's more important for him to eat rather than to sit at the table. And when he finally was able to kind of communicate why he didn't like sitting at the table, he said, it's too busy. Yeah. Mm. Especially when family's here. Yes. It's just, there's all the talking and everything is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the other piece of that, besides just the noise itself, is that people on the spectrum struggle to read social cues that are unspoken because they're so literal. And so it's very stressful for them to be with people that they don't know as well. And that fear of not knowing how they're going to react or if they're supposed to react a certain way, because a lot of the way he responds to things is things that he's learned that that's what we're expecting him to say or do in a given mm. situation. So it's hard. And so understanding there's so many factors. Mm. And in the moment, I'm just like, can't we just sit at the table and have a meal together like a family? And that comes from a cultural thing of normalcy, you know, of what we're expected to do as parents and as a family. And it's sad that I don't get to enjoy that with my family. 
but I get to enjoy so many other things. And the mm -hmm. most important thing in that moment is not me getting that social interaction that I'm craving, mm -hmm. but him actually getting nutrition <laughs> that yes. he needs. Right. Yes. So that's the picking the battles. That Thank is you. Yes. Yeah, so smart. I feel like I'm learning so much. This is so helpful and yes, practical. And yes. David, you know we love a good family movie. We sure do. And I bet I know which one you are about to recommend, Jesus Revolution. Yes, it's such an incredible film that families with older kids can watch together. It's from the creators of the I Can Only Imagine movie, so you know it's got to be good. It's the incredible true story of the Jesus movement that swept the nation in the 1970s. The film follows a young Greg Laurie who's been searching for all the right things in all the wrong places, getting carried away by the wild hippie movement. Then he meets Lonnie Frisbee, a street preacher who's passionate about bringing the gospel to hippies. Lonnie teams up with Pastor Chuck Smith, and they open the doors of Chuck's church to the barefoot, long-haired, drug-addled hippies of Southern California. That's when they find themselves in an unexpected revival that will change the world. It's such an exciting and thought-provoking true story. The Jesus Revolution film is rated PG-13 and makes for great conversation with older kids about the impact of our decisions, peer pressure, forgiveness, and second chances. I bet families are having some really great conversations because of this movie. David, did you know it stars Joel Courtney, Jonathan Rumi, Kimberly Williams-Paisley, Anna Grace Barlow, and Kelsey Grammer? That is quite a cast. Gather your friends and family for a movie night to enjoy Jesus Revolution. Available now on demand, digital, Blu-ray, and DVD. Visit JesusRevolution.movie to learn more. Again, that's JesusRevolution.movie. In this season, we've been talking a lot about worries and emotionally strong, all those things, as you know. And what would you all each say is a truth that has helped you worry less as a parent? Communicating. Mm. Not just with us, but very early, like when Isaac was in the first grade, his first grade teacher, Mrs. Cox, who was amazing, she said, do you want to come in and talk to the class about Isaac's autism? And he was in a regular classroom. That was, I think, one of the most incredible experiences. He was in his speech therapy at the time, so he wasn't there. But we got to talk to these little kids about, okay, you might notice that Isaac, like when he gets really excited, he pushes his hands up on his cheeks, oh. or he starts flapping his hands, or he doesn't talk a lot. He's kind of quiet. Or he jumps up and down. Yes. And... You know, we just kind of talked about things that, you know, that might make him different, but things that make him the same as like, who has blue eyes? You know, and we had, you know, them raise their hands. And, you know, like, even though you might have blue eyes and I have brown eyes, that doesn't make one better than the other. And so we got to talk to them. And it was this incredible, like, you saw these lights going in their eyes. They're like, oh, I get it. And we were able to do that every year in his... In elementary school. In elementary school. And... One of the parents came up, there was a class party that I was at and she came up and she said, you're Isaac's mom. And she said, I want to thank you. And she started crying. She was like, I want to thank you for talking to the kids about Isaac's autism because my daughter came home and she taught me about, mm. 
what autism is and, you know, like just how cool Isaac is. And the teacher even said afterwards, he was the most popular kid. (laughs) Everyone wanted to sit next to him. Everyone wanted him to be their partner. And you're like, it was just when they realize, oh, different isn't bad. You know, it's cool. It's all Mm -hmm. good. And I think that helped me to worry less because I knew, okay, we have done something to educate the people around him to kind of let them get to know him in a different way. And nine times out of 10, they're so accepting of it and they don't treat him differently. And related to that, my truth that I hold on to that I had to learn the hard way is that, like I said before, he's not broken Mm -hmm. and it's not my job to fix him. Mm -hmm. As his parent, like we've heard so many other people talk about on this podcast, Mm -hmm. It's our job to do our best to guide them as they develop. Mm. We're not here to fix things for them, but it's allowing him to have the independence he needs to develop into the man that he's supposed to be. Mm. And for me early on, there was, I remember sitting in the car driving back from him being diagnosed and I was just spiraling out of control in my mind Mm. of what his life was going to look like with the bullying, with people misunderstanding him, mistreating him, Mm. all that stuff. I don't even remember seeing the road driving home because my mind was just in such a bad place. And through my own work with my therapist, I've learned about my control freak (laughs) tendencies Mm. and my own self-centered fears and how I tend to project things on to everyone else. And it's through these experiences of communicating with people. And that's why we're doing what we're doing here because, you know, chances are there's very few people listening to this right now that actually have kids that are on the autism spectrum. But I guarantee you that pretty much everybody has known a person on the autism spectrum. And so I'm hoping that what we're sharing today can help all of us understand each other better and be more empathetic Mm. and come alongside any kid that's around us that is in that process of struggling through development, which I'm still struggling through development myself. Mm. You know, we're all constantly developing. We never become a finished product. Yes. This is super silly, but did y'all watch Parenthood? You know what? I didn't because it was too close. Yes. I was still very tender. Yes. To like it was early on in his development mm. and it was during a tough time for us. Yeah. I yeah. just I was like, okay, if I'm gonna watch something, I need to laugh. I right. I don't like crying. <laughs> I felt bad about this show first go round too. It was too much. I was like, why do I want to watch this if I'm gonna ball? <laughs> I know. Well, Max is on the spectrum in the yeah. show. And the I think it's the pilot episode. There is a parenting class that I do very rarely, but I have I think four different clips from that pilot episode because it walks through the parents' emotional react. I mean, what it feels mm-hmm. like in this really yeah. beautiful way. And then they have this great character who's a psychologist that meets with them and talks them through it. And I will never forget, I mean, what he says, the dad is saying, what do I do? What do I do? How Can I fix this? And right. he mm-hmm. says, what you can do is join him. 
Mm. And and then there's, you know, just the ending of it is beautiful. And I think what a great picture of what you all have done with him is not only, I mean, what you were saying earlier of studying him and learning Mm -hmm. him and joining him both as such a gift. Yeah. There's a movie called Temple Grandin. Yes. Temple is just this incredible human and she has autism and the mother has a saying where she says she's different, but not less. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm. You too. I did so well. <laughs> <laughs> it is part of the richness of this conversation. Yes. Just both of you, your honesty and your mm. vulnerability and how incredibly grateful we continue to be that you would have joined us for this conversation. Yes. David, did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors, breathing around 30,000 gallons of air daily? According to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, it could be 100 times more polluted. No wonder I always feel like I'm always stuffy. I know Tennessee allergies are bad, but I often struggle to breathe clearly when I'm inside. Me too. I have the worst allergies, but Air Doctor really helps. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold so your lungs don't have to. You know, we've got a lot of pet dander in our (laughs) lives. I've heard about Air Doctor on CNN and ABC. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of bacteria and viruses and virtually 100% of particles as small as 0.003 microns. I don't know how big 0.003 microns is, but (laughs) it sounds super small. I heard they also feature whisper jet fans, which are 30% quieter than ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code RBG. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. And use promo code RBG. You have offered so much encouragement already to parents. Mm -hmm. I just wonder, is there any other encouragement that you would want to offer to parents of kids on the spectrum? I would say just remember that we're all in process. Mm -hmm. Like we're all in development. And as parents, I'm constantly beating myself up that I'm not doing enough. And I've heard other parents say this that are parents of neurotypical kids that have been on the podcast. But to echo what I've heard before from your other guests, that we can obviously always be doing better and seeking to learn more. But as long as we start from a place of empathy and just being with him, that's Mm. all he wants. He doesn't want me to fix anything for him. He doesn't Mm. want me to do anything for him. He just wants me to be there with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the fear of the diagnosis. Or a doctor saying, oh, you know, they aren't on this typical path. I've known some parents who don't even want to go get their kids assessed because they're afraid of that, oh, they're on the autism spectrum. Mm. To not be fearful for that because there is so much that they can do 
for kids that are, you know, like, again, they're not broken. It's just getting them into situations where they can excel and they can learn. And I think especially as we're talking more and more about autism, and there are more people that are diagnosed later on in life, and that just oh, it makes so much sense. You know, they, There's almost a sense of relief. Mm. And I would encourage parents, getting an assessment is one of the best gifts that you can get yes. because you can get the help that you need and your kids can get that assistance and it's there mm. and it's not to be feared. It's not as scary as you make it out to be in your mind. Mm. The mm. fears are not reality. Mm. You're giving your kids such a gift. And you're not alone. Yes. Yeah. You're not alone. There's right. support out there. Yes. So don't put it off any yes. another minute to get help <laughs> if mm. you think that your kid needs help. Well, speaking of that, we'd love to hear y'all talk about any resources that you found that have been particularly helpful for these amazing kids on the spectrum. One of my favorite books is Anything But Typical. Mm. And I can't remember the author's name, but we'll put a link to the show notes. It's something that Isaac's regular class actually read as a class wow. in sixth grade, I think. Mm. And I read it with him and we sent copies of it to family because it's written by a person who's on the spectrum about their childhood experiences in school. So it has a lot of that, you know, coming of age type stuff yes. in it, but from the perspective of someone who's on the spectrum. Wow. Yeah, and there are so many just online groups. There are so many books. The Autism Discussion Group on Facebook, which he also has some digital materials. He has a lot of great insight. The Temple Grandin movie. Temple Grandin movie the, is Just a to help you understand visually what it, people go through that are mm-hmm. on the spectrum. And that movie does a great job of that. Yeah. We actually just watched that with my nephew and niece a couple mm-hmm. weekends ago. And they loved it. My nephew Pierce, who's 12, he looked at me, he's like, I'm really glad we watched that, you know, wow. and it wasn't like this typical kid movie, but just so he can understand his cousin yes. and kind of, you know, give that visual of, okay, I get that. There's a book called Why I Jump is written by a young boy from Japan and it was translated a couple of years ago and he learned that he couldn't speak, but he could write and mm. he typed out, you know, like these are reasons why I jump around. This is why I run away when you come to introduce yourself to me. You know, and so it's just kind of from the perspective of someone on the spectrum wow. who can't communicate in a traditional way, he communicates through books. So mm. that's another really good one. Mm. Thank you. Thank mm. you for those. Jen, we like to end with something fun and food related. <laughs> yeah. Marcus uh-huh. knows the question coming his direction. He's heard this one a few hundred times, but we love to ask a two-part question of Queso or guac, and what's your favorite kind of taco? Oh, okay. So queso all the way. When <laughs> I was pregnant with Isaac, I could not get enough cheese. <laughs> I, we had cheese over everything. So yeah, definitely queso. And my favorite taco is a fish taco with the beer-battered fish mm. and like a avocado cilantro dressing. Mm, Which she actually just, makes, and it's oh, really so good. Sounds yes. amazing. Yeah, we do tacos usually about once a week. Yes. You've been trying some new ones. Like yes. we had a new one this week, which is really good. But one of mine, which I got to enjoy with you guys, one of my favorites besides what she makes, is the velvet taco pulled pork mm. taco. I usually go for a brisket taco when we're 
getting takeout from a taco place, but that pulled pork taco from Velvet Taco is really good. So good. And then I, I've switched from queso to guac. Like when we first got married, we'd go to Satco to San Antonio Taco Company in Nashville. And Jen tried to have some of my cheese dip, and I'm like, no, you he need to get your share own. cheese dip. <laughs> I think I remember that about you, Marcus. I, yep, I that was one of those things. I he looked at me, and I was like, you're not going to share your cheese dip with me? He's like, no, get your own. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it was just glad you overcame that hurdle in the day. Oh process. yeah. Well, it's kind That's of good. like there's I've a developed f- that friends. You know, like Joey does not share food. You know, like on the friends episode, and I just kind of associate that with him as well. So. Uh, Y'all, as you were talking, I, in my head, I went back to, I mean, I think it was in my first five years of counseling and probably the first time I really understood more of what anxiety was with a little girl. And I was meeting with her and she was really cool, really bright, quirky, and she was struggling a lot with friends. I didn't know that. She came in because she was so anxious. And like we know, kids who are anxious, often there's more to the story. And so as we started digging underneath, realized she was struggling in a lot of friendships and just didn't feel connected to anybody. And I will never forget, she wore Converse, and they were Christmas Converse. And so one was, I think, red and white polka dot, and the other one was green and white striped. And I think we must have had a conversation because in my head, I remember when she decided, I'm going to keep wearing these shoes. I don't care what other people are doing, but I'm going to keep wearing these shoes. I think she was a fourth grader. And so we walked through her learning to accept who she is and all of the amazing strengths about who she is. And a couple months later, I saw her and she came in, she had learned to cross stitch and she cross stitched differences beauty. Nice. And as we have been talking, that I have thought so much about her and that statement of difference is beauty. Difference is beauty. Because that is what you all have said over and over through this conversation and pointed us Mm -hmm. towards. And just am so excited for parents to get to hear and be reminded of that. Me too. We cannot thank you enough know, for sharing this time so with grateful. us. Thank you for giving us the space to talk about We're so grateful this. to be it, oh on this gosh. podcast yes, with you guys. Thank you so well, much. We're so grateful for, for everything that you do. Well, and the work you guys do is so important. Oh my gosh. All the practical yes. advice that's been shared on this podcast that I get mm. to hear firsthand <laughs> has been awesome. <laughs> and Every week, it's Marcus is like, you got to listen to this one. Got to yeah. listen to this one. <laughs> You guys are just gems. So thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Y'all are the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.